0: So this is Luke's year in the telling of Christmas, but also the telling of the gospel of Luke. Simply, Luke's gospel is perhaps the most orderly and carefully written account of the life of Jesus Christ. Beginning with the prologue in which he introduces his work, confirming his care in the retelling of these events that follow, along with his purpose in writing so that what he writes may assure those who have come to believe, his prologue to the gospel reads as follows. Now, no one is quite sure who Theophilus was. It appears that he was someone of stature, someone who believed, but still had questions. Someone who was touched by the stories and the promise of Jesus, yet someone who may have thought it all just a little too difficult to embrace totally and needed more information and more assurance. And so Luke, who is pretty much believed to have been his surgeon of the times, with his deftness of literary skills, lays out the narrative of the birth and the life, the death and the resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth, and more. As I said, we don't know who Theophilus was, and we have no idea what his response was. But we could think of ourselves as sort of a group of Theophiluses or Theophili, at least in Luke's mind. In fact, after 24 chapters of Luke, he ends reaffirming the assurance of Jesus being in our midst. His final verses tell of Jesus' resurrection, proof of which is in his appearances following his death. He begins with Jesus appearing to the women at the tomb, who you remember mistook, mistook Jesus as the gardener at the tomb. And then that is immediately followed by his encounter with Cleopas and his companion on the road to Emmaus. Remember that? Weren't our hearts burning? And then Luke tells us very briefly in his gospel that there was also an appearance to Simon, that is Simon Peter, but nothing else. And then he ends the gospel with Jesus' appearance to the disciples by coming into their midst, showing them his wounds, eating a piece of fish to prove to them that he was not a ghost, and then opening their minds to the understanding of the scriptures. Or, as Luke tells us himself, the last words of his gospel are, Then Jesus took them, the disciples, to the outskirts of Bethany, and with upraised hands blessed the disciples. While blessing them, the risen Christ and return to Jerusalem full of joy they were found in the temple constantly speaking praises of God and there it ends with the unspoken declaration and so too should you worship the risen Christ and so too should you be full with joy and constantly speak praises to God this is how it ends the Gospel of Luke. But we are at the beginning of the Gospel of Luke today, so let's go back there for the time being and back to this morning's readings. We've got Gabriel, not Archangel Gabriel because there's only one Archangel, only one Archangelos, the chief angel. That's Michael. But to say the least, Gabriel has been busy Before today's reading, Zechariah, the priest, married to Elizabeth, Mary's sister, is in the temple, finally being called in the rotation of the houses of priests to bring the prayers into the temple for the Holy of Holies. This was a a once-in-a-lifetime chance. It did not happen on a regular basis. And this day he had been waiting for, as all priests would wait for, and once inside that temple, the angel Gabriel appears and he says, be not afraid. Now, I remember being in a Christmas service at South Presbyterian Church in Dom's Ferry with Joe Gilmore, who's a senior pastor there, who was an incredible poet and preacher and a good friend. And he would startle me all the time with different things he would do. And on this night, he came out there and he was speaking of the appearance of the angel. And he did something like this. He says, can you imagine? Here's this angel comes flapping with its six wings, 18 feet tall, lands in front of this peasant girl and says, be not afraid. He says, I would have ran. Nonetheless, Gabriel says, be not afraid. And he announces the news to Zechariah that because of his faithfulness and that of his wife Elizabeth, who has been unable to conceive up until this point, and who is well beyond the age of conceiving, that to them a child would be born, and the name of that child would be John. Now Zechariah, either lost in the moment or caught up in his own doubt, challenges the angel, which is not a good thing to do. What do you mean? How can this happen? And so Gabriel says, Okay, you will be mute from this moment forward until Elizabeth gives birth. And so he was. The challenging of the angel with Zechariah's doubts did not go well for Zechariah. And then six months go by, and here's Gabriel again. And he appears to Mary this time. Be not afraid, he says. And he announces to her that she will give birth to a son. Gabriel tells her that she has found favor with God and that her son, Jesus, is the Holy One of God. And when Mary questions the angel with, how can this be? I have not been with a man. The angel is more gentle and says to Mary, with God, all things are possible. And Mary responds, let your will be done. Let God's will be done. And before leaving, the angel also tells Mary, oh, by the way, your sister, she's six months ahead of you. She's going to give birth. And Mary, you can imagine two sisters, sisters filled with this energy and joy. This is what brings us to today's reading. And with the news that her sister is pregnant, Mary sets out in haste. She rushes to see Elizabeth, to tell her the news, to hear her news. And when she enters the house of Elizabeth and brings her greeting, the baby inside the womb of Elizabeth leaps. John leaps in her womb, we presume, with joy. It is a happy and a joyful meeting. And Luke, with his fine skills, blends these two narratives into a point of bringing sisters, infants, cousins together and establishing the relationship between John, who will come first, and Jesus, who will follow. And it is John who leaps in recognizing Jesus, a literary device, a deferential act, perhaps, And so up to this point, there is nothing, nothing but wonder and joy. Wonder and joy and joy and wonder. And you will notice that it is also all about the women. There are no men in this thing anywhere except for an angel. And, you know, they could be maybe Gabriella. I don't know. This is where the women are. And it's sort of fitting to me as I read this and thought about that, that it would also be only the women at the foot of the cross The night that he died there, for all others had ran. But I digress. So I think, is it right to suspend the events that will follow in Jesus' life, the many years between the birth of these two and their adult ministries, of which we know little their youth, Is it right to suspend the sorrow each of these mothers will later endure as they see their children suffer and suspend, quote-unquote, the rest of the story so that we can focus on these moments of wonder and joy? Well, that's understandable. And it's good. But the story has only just begun. And it is in the fullness of the story in Luke's telling, 24 chapters, nearly 20,000 words, the longest of all of the Gospels, And if you include the Acts of the Apostles, he comprises nearly 28% of all of the New Testament. He wants us to know the full story. The total narrative is what is important to Luke, and by extension, what he believes is important to us. He wants the whole story known because it is only in the whole story that assurance is found, at least to Luke's satisfaction. Now think for a moment of the excitement he must have felt in retelling what he had learned, what he had seen, and what he experienced, how he was on fire, the hopefulness that others would find in what he had found that drove him to tell the story, the good news. But today we are at the beginning. We're at the beginning of a new church year that began with the first Sunday of Advent again. And we're now at the fourth Sunday of Advent Again. And we are within hours of celebrating Jesus' birth, the birth of a child, once more. And the wonder and the joy and our hearts are on fire. We know that. We know the joy and the wonder and the burning hearts. But Luke wants us to know more. It is not just about being giddy with joy, suspending everything that troubles us, just being happy at the birth of Jesus. Yes, but there is more, and getting to know the more takes work. The work of thinking through the life we celebrate and believe in. Not just the first moments, not the easy moments, so to speak, the joyful and wondrous moments of birth, but all that follows as well. I do think there are times for stepping back, encapsulating a moment. It can be a foundation for what is to follow. But there must be a follow. If we knew the life of Jesus, really knew the life of Jesus, his teachings and the Gospels, as well as we know all about the Christmas story, I wonder if we would be able to better see all of life within the globe of his being and his life. One that began with wonder and joy, Struggle through a ministry that brought him death, resurrection, glory, and unceasing praise. What is it that happened? What happened to Theophilus and his friends between the days of his birth and the days of his resurrection? What can we draw upon in times of joy and wonder? Maybe those were Theophilus' questions. What about the sorrow and the pain and the celebration and the suffering that brings us back Somehow to this unceasing praise. How do we bridge that. And still hold on to the assurance. That Jesus is. And is with us. What is it in times like these. As we grieve the loss of life in Newtown. And the loss of life elsewhere. Caused by violence. And societal illnesses, I cannot bring myself to say evil in describing others. I see sickness. What is it in times where parts of our society like Jesus's has lost its way in part? In seeing solutions and arming one another instead of loving one another. Where is it? Where is it? What is it that gets us through and beyond the incomprehensible and the unconscionable? What gives us hope? Is it just a manger? Well, Luke makes it simple. The evangelist makes it very plain. Here it is, he says, all you need to know to assure you that however it is you know Jesus in your life, he was real and is real and the stories maybe an exact maybe embellished a bit tell of his wonder tell of his wonder beyond the words of the stories and the embellishments tell of the god beyond all understanding and of the peace the abundant and exceeding peace that is real in what he left us in his life his narratives his promise his resurrection and his presence It's as real as the babies that were born to Mary and Elizabeth. As real as the lives they lived. And as certain as the promise of everlasting life that is ours and all who go before us, no matter how they may leave before us. Do you feel it? Be still. Find a time to be still. Listen to hear the leap in your heart. Because that too is real. That too says, be not afraid. Even if you are startled, be not afraid. And know that God is with you. Always with you. For God, through Jesus, says, Christmas is my gift to you. Every day, the full story, the full promise, every day in full and abundance. Yes, Merry Christmas, hopeful Christmas, joyful and powerful Christmas, healing and loving Christmas, and may the peace. That surpasses all understanding. The peace of the whole story. The peace of Christmas. Be with you all. Amen.